Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. Today's episode is a special one, as we're here to welcome John, head of Uplink at the World Economic Forum, as our co-host. John will tell you all about the innovative funds of our future. And as our guest, we welcome Sandy, Managing Director of Investments at Impact Assets. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving us a review and following the European VC on LinkedIn. So today we have a slightly different episode for you because we are here to welcome John Dutton as the host. And John is a good friend of the European VC and also the head of Uplink at the World Economic Forum. So John, with that slight you know, disclaimer for this being a different episode than, than what we usually do at the European VC, I'll let you take the stage. Thanks so much, Andreas. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is John Dutton, uh, the head of Uplink at the World Economic Forum. Thrilled to be here because actually we get to do a little bit of the heavy lifting, convene people host this episode in a way that we do at our typical meetings in Davos. So we're excited to be here. We've got Andreas, who is going to take a different role. He was part of the sausage-making operation that spit out 17 amazing funds. He helped design it. He helped think about what we should be looking for. And he's going to give a little bit of his experience about why he and David are, are involved. And we also have Sandy Cart from Impact Assets along with us. Uh, so it should be a really fun episode today where we get to explore how uh, venture capital firms of the future are thinking today about the, the types of uh, enterprises that, that we really need to see for a better future and better planet. Um, so with that, let me kick off. I'm going to start with you, Andreas, and I'd love to hear a little bit about why did you guys get involved? And that you need no introduction, so don't introduce yourself, but just hop in. Like, how did, how did you get involved? Do you remember? I was hoping that I could uh, spend five minutes here talking about myself instead of anything else. But <laughs> yes, so... As everything, network gets you to get involved in something. And, and in this case, it's David, who's been working for a long time with the forum. And as such, it was very natural for us to get involved in this project, given uh, everything we do at the European VC. What we really loved about the challenge was that, of course, it, it helped us put some, some more light on the great emerging managers that we have working in this space. And quite personally, I can say that, you know, at the end of the day, when I, you know, when I touch down on the pillow and I have had a day's work where it's been more focused on impact and on, on bringing forward people who are, you know, a bit different from the old guard and who have always been been wielding uh, the, the, the wand of power in <laughs> in this world, then I'm quite satisfied. And then I, then I feel I've, like I've done a good day's work and this project allowed us to do that. So we were just super happy that we got the invitation and, and I think it was a great experience, but we'll, we'll dive a bit more into that later probably. Fantastic, Andreas. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about why we're here, why you're here. And it's also my pleasure to introduce Sandra Cart from Impact Assets. Now, listen, we're going to have a little fun with this, but we also have to be serious. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's get the compliance bits out of the way. Introduce yourself. Let's talk about all the things you're not allowed to say. And then we can get into all the things you are allowed to say. Does that yes, sound good? Perfect. Thank you, John. Um, and thanks for having me. So my, yes, my compliance officer insists I say nothing more before disclosing that anything I say today reflects my personal views and not those of Impact Assets Capital Partners. And nothing in this discussion should be considered investment advice for any person. So with that out of the way, hi. I'm sure my <laughs> boss would have wanted me to say that same thing, that the World Economic Forum is not telling you to invest in any of these funds, but we do think they're doing some Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, and whatever Sandy just said, we also think at the European VC. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> 
<laughs> well, listen, let's, um, now that we've gotten that out of the way, Sandy, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself, and then we can talk about the, the IA50 and a lot of the other things Impact Assets. Sure, sounds good. So, yeah, I'm the Managing Director of Investments at Impact Assets Capital Partners. Um, I've been with Impact Assets in some capacity for the past eight years or so and working in the impact investing space for over 12 at this point after starting my career more of a traditional Wall Street role and then kind of seeing the light of the impact investing world and making the transition right about 12 years ago now. So at Impact Assets, I oversee the sourcing and diligencing of the investment funds um, and the other investments and portfolios that we make available for our clients. And also we work with some specific clients to help them build custom impact investing portfolios. And so my team is out there sourcing and diligencing and working on the portfolio construction um, for all of that. And um, then on the IA50, so Impact Assets 50 is something that Impact Assets has been doing for about 12 years now. If the listeners are not familiar with it, it's an annual showcase of impact investment fund managers that um, we make available to the public. It's a, it's a free searchable database. Um, it was really created as a way to showcase the breadth of the impact investing industry. Um, impact Assets roots, it's, we're a nonprofit financial services industry. Um, and so field building and you know developing the industry of impact investing has been a big part of our business. So the Impact Assets 50 was created to kind of do that. Many of our listeners will maybe have heard about Impact Assets, but they don't they don't know you well enough to say, okay, this is how big the, the fund of fund program or yeah. you know what how much activity you actually do in the in the fund space. Could you just shed a bit more light on that for people to understand? And also all our listeners are GPs in Europe and, and many of them uh, are also working inside the climate space or somewhat towards it. So I'd love to also, you know, they will be thinking, hmm, should I be reaching out to Impact Assets? Could you share a bit more uh, insights there? Sure. So Impact Assets has a little over $2 billion in total assets under management. Um, the bulk of that is within the Donor Advised Fund, which is a structure that's pretty unique to the U.S. because there's specific tax advantages for U.S. investors. So most of our clients are U.S. investors. They're mostly high net worth individuals, some foundations or corporates, but we definitely invest globally. In fact, we'll get into it in more detail later, I'm sure, but there's some overlap between both the IA50 and the fund selected for the Innovative Funds Challenge. And there's also some overlap with what we have invested in through Impact Assets. So yeah, I think you know, we're always looking for good funds that are working in the impact space in particular. Um, we've been specifically orienting around the themes of climate, racial equity, and, and gender lens investing more recently. But our clients invest across impact themes, across asset classes, and across risk return profiles as well. So this is one of the areas in which I've I found that there's a lot of symbiosis between what you guys are up to, Andreas, and uh, the, their whole effort on the emerging managers, how you guys have done it, uh, you know, had a specific focus on supporting GPs in Europe to kind of get off the ground. Do you want to talk a little bit more? Why is this an interesting aspect of, of the challenge for us? And how, how does it link to some of the, let's say, values you guys have of supporting the industry? The forum is actually very, very involved in the in the VC scene and startup scene, and you're doing many great things. And that's, of course, the, the work that, that David has been involved with. And as such, you know, this is just an, I was almost about to say, an offspring of, of all your activities. And of course, this is where we, we are very close to each other because this whole program or, or, or initiative was was started because you at Uplink wanted to, to somehow figure out how can we add the most to the VC ecosystem and the, the tech startup ecosystem. What we really got into very quickly was, well, the, the best thing you can almost do is give emerging managers, I, I was, I'm about to call it credibility, right, in terms of, you know, validation from someone who have looked at them seriously and really gone through their materials and, and diligence them enough to say, okay, we, we, we trust in this team, we trust in their ability, ability to execute, all those things. And then we said, well, you can actually do that without necessarily investing, right? If you have enough of a reputation to put on the line, 
then you know just putting out that message about a fund, which is in, in effect what's, what's happening when when our selection committee has said that that these 17 funds are you know worthwhile looking into, then we we thought well this is a very interesting initiative to get involved in, and of course it's very close to what we do because. What we do is pick up European emerging managers mm -hmm. and at the same time also invest in select few of them. That's great. Well, listen, so here's how we're going to run the rest of this, uh, this podcast. We're going to be doing a part that hopefully is a little bit informative, a part that is a little bit less exciting, but we think is really important to do, which is kind of giving you, uh, let's say, a walkthrough of the various funds that we've selected. And then we're going to engage in a bunch of Q&A. And it's going to be between myself, Andreas, Sandy, and it should be more of a dialogue and a discussion um, so let me get a little bit about, uh, because your audience knows who you are, now they now know a little bit more about Sandy. Let me give you a, a quick overview about Uplink and why we decided to go into this direction. You, you kind of launched into a little bit there, uh, Andreas, but you know, Uplink was launched as the open innovation platform for the World Economic Forum. We've been on one other episode, so I can't say that we're famous and that your audience knows us really well, but at least there was one other chance. Our mission is really to try to connect the bridges across the innovation ecosystem. Uh, we're looking to do that by selecting you know, 10 to 15 big topic areas across the SDGs, everything from freshwater ecosystems, the ocean, climate change, circular economy, health, education, uh, and really try to figure out who are the biggest and brightest entrepreneurs that are going to change our world for the better, and what are the resources that they need to scale. And as we've done that, we've realized that you know, it really does take a village to try to see impact happen on the ground. It takes government actors that are trying to change policy, it takes the private sector, uh, to try to you know change the dial and how they are working with smaller players and and thinking about actually investing themselves in some of those those upstarts and certainly it takes the funding and investment ecosystem as well. For us, we've been around. We're a bit of a startup ourselves. We've been around. This is our third year of operations. Uh, the platform now has over fifty thousand users on it. There's nearly uh, forty five hundred entrepreneurs who have submitted their companies onto the site. We have also received about a hundred submissions of venture funds as well for this first challenge on the the VC side. And we've got a vibrant ecosystem of people who are telling their stories, who are sharing impact updates, who are sharing funding updates. And it's been our job then to take the, the biggest and brightest of those ones, the ones that are really having that impact and are ready for scale, and to figure out how the World Economic Forum's ecosystem can play a, a little bit of a role of tipping the scales in their direction. Many of them don't come from the Silicon Valley, Oxbridge suite of a um, place where they can get everything at their fingertips. And so our hope is that we can help some of these entrepreneurs and funds make their way and increase the scale of their work. So that's a little bit about Uplink. This challenge itself was set up with the idea of, yeah, how could we shed a light on and provide the credibility, visibility, and access for the types of funds that are, are needed to scale those entrepreneurs? And if we're really honest about it, it's also about helping the funds uh, gain access to LPs, to the capital that they will need to scale, and to try to say uh, to the world that um, there is a different way of doing things. That, of course, is a is a mandate that makes a ton of sense, right? Because, and Sandy, do comment on this because you're in the same situation, right? You're, you come from Impact Assist, and as you just said, the bulk of your, your capital is, is not going to VC. That's the issue a bit for VC, right? We are naturally a very small part of the overall uh, asset pool with whoever is going to invest in, in us. And as such, you know, how the hell can you really spend that much time on a 1 million or 500K or 2 million euro ticket into a fund? When, you know, the moment after you're looking at, okay, this 20 million euro solar uh, mm -hmm. investment we're going to do, you know, how can you warrant that you need to spend as much time to make a good decision on which VC fund manager to back? It's so difficult, right? It's the same thing we see in VC funds. That That's why you have VC funds that some do early stage and some do Series A and B and D because it's kind of weird to be talking about a due diligence process where the cost for the legal team 
is the same as the to total ticket that you're putting in at, at a serious uh, uh, pre-seed stage, right? So in that sense, it can be quite difficult to you know allot your time across the spectrum of assets, and thus having someone like Uplink and and, and the WEF going behind the scenes and picking the, the funds or some funds that are worthwhile looking at at least, that it's really something that's super important. And a lot of people listen to the WEF and, and, and Uplink for guidance as to how to think about the world. So I think it's super important. Um, do you recognize that that issue, Sandy? Yeah, definitely. I think that, I mean, you nailed it with the, the diligence hurdle being it's so expensive <laughs> for what you're looking at in the ticket size. Um, and so I think that was one of the things that was so compelling about the work that John was doing with this, with this challenge, with the exposure that these funds get, I think is going to make a huge difference. And None of us on this election committee were doing full diligence, to be clear. My compliance officer would appreciate me saying. Um, we were we were digging into the to the impact model and choosing the ones that we wanted to highlight. So it's kind of like a little bit of a head start, I think, for somebody who would be interested in taking a closer look. Yeah, and to be honest, it's great that everyone loves VC, right? But it also means that we have so many more trying to launch VC firms, almost like a startup now, you launch a VC mm -hmm. firm instead. Um, and that development means that just the fact that you you know, go to the level of the diligence that we've done for picking the funds for this challenge, because obviously it isn't, it hasn't been the same process as if we were to invest, but it's still, you know, it's that grunt work that for many, you know, it's just how do I get through the first 15 or 20 that just apply? You know, from our side, what are we trying to do, right? We're, we're trying to, alongside all of the brilliant entrepreneurs that we've sourced in the, in the areas that I mentioned earlier across the SDGs, we also want to shed a light on the various funds that are working in that space as well. We're going to continue to do it. This was a first effort. I think moving forward, we may even think about not not doing kind of dedicated fund challenges, but actually making sure that along each fund, each challenge that we run to source entrepreneurs, we also have a parallel track that is sourcing the types of funds that are working in that space. Which means that in this first one, we were focused on VCs. It was very much trying to hit that sweet spot of the venture capital space. When you look at something like regenerative agriculture in, in Africa, and the seed level uh, entrepreneurs that are, are coming on board there, sometimes what they need is actually philanthropic money. And so in the future, we're going to try to vary the types of funding and funds that we bring on board to match the types of entrepreneurs that, that we're also calling for as we go forward. But I think in this first effort, what was fun about it is that we gave it kind of that big global landscape, the, the cross thematic landscape, uh, and it gave us a chance to see kind of a, a little bit of a testing ground about what's out there and who is interested in trying to get a bit more visibility, a little bit of that recognition and credibility you mentioned, Andreas, and some of the access. So listen, put your feet up, get a cup of coffee or a glass of water. I'm going to go through all 17. One sentence about each one, it doesn't do enough justice, but I think it does give us a, a little bit of a sense of who's here. Alphabetical order, going to try to give it a little bit of sweet spot, and it also little gets the taste buds going for Andreas and Sandy when they come back and maybe can say a word or two about some of the ones they've come across or kind of remember from some of the due diligence and selection work that we did. In almost every episode, we ask our guests, how did you come up with your name? And then quite often, or almost every time that someone names something with A or a number first, it is from the reasoning that, well, we kind of thought that we would be the first one to be listed in, <laughs> in, in a some list sort like of this list, one. Right? <laughs> it works. That's it works. great. And the first one is a number, 2150, exactly. which I think is really interesting because you have a firm that is investing in technologies that are making urban areas more sustainable from building materials, heating and cooling, as well as focusing on energy and food solutions. And if you know Christian and the team over there, you'd understand why 2150, they're really trying to think well into the future of a world that is going to be much different. Era VC is supporting a diverse group of founders reversing the effects of climate change with breakthrough innovations in the circular economy, health and climate action. The team behind this was involved in, in uh, the B team and has had a, a really nice track record out in Asia. 2150, I should mention, investing globally based in the UK. 
ARCA Fund to keep the ball rolling is focusing on African entrepreneurs and particularly ecopreneurs who are addressing climate challenges in their communities by offering founders an investment readiness program followed by capital investment. So this one's quite cool because they run an accelerator program where they give some money into each of them and they get to know them, they work with them, and then a handful of them they're going to invest in. So yeah. different, different approach. It's about trying to also build out uh, the capabilities even if they don't invest right away. Should we jump in on them piecemeal? Because I, I think, you know, I've got a comment there, which is we just invested into Startup Wise Guys, which is not a fund that does climate as such. It's part of their mandate, but it's not focused only there. Uh, but it's also an accelerator model. And, and I just love the accelerator model because, you know, sometimes what you want is to find those diamonds in the rough and you can strike some pretty good deals when you do when you do an accelerator model. And I can't remember Barker Fund. I don't know Barker Fund well enough to know how many bets they do. But I love it also because it, it typically allows also the funds to do a shitload of, of bets, which which is something that, of course, is integral in VC. Sandy, have you seen, uh, do you guys support some of the, the accelerator funds as well? We have made investments in accelerator funds or partnered, um, years ago, we partnered with a few accelerators to um, bring some of our clients alongside and do co-investments with some accelerators. So Barca Fund for us was interesting because it's also really connected to our the World Economic Forum's Trillion Tree Initiative. 1T.org is a project that's hosted by the forum that's focused on uh, reforestation, restoration, and conservation of, of the world's trees. And in the Sahel region of Africa, we're, we're partnering with the African Union and other entities to build the Great Green Wall. So for the Barca Fund is all about supporting entrepreneurs, ecopreneurs who, who are going to try to build back the Sahel uh, forestry area. Going to keep going in the bees. Almost finished there. The Black Tech Capital is another one that we identified, and they are funding black and other underrepresented entrepreneurs are focused on clean tech, investing mostly in North America, but also overseas, and as well as partnering with accelerators and universities, they're doing that really in those in partnership, so that they can you know give a leg up to some of the founders who are coming from some of those underrepresented uh, communities. We got to meet them in New York. Amazing to see how they've partnered with a whole uh, ecosystem in Canada and the U.S. across universities uh, to get the ball rolling for for those communities. If I should add one thing to that model is, I, I had this thought, thought the other day. I would just wish universities would partner with VC funds rather than try and build their own um, because it's, it's typically not the best game for a, for, for a university. I get that there are some that are very successful. MIT is doing some very interesting things with uh, the engine, <laughs> but the majority of universities would probably be better off acting as a strategic LP uh, than trying to build a lot of stuff themselves. Very true. And uh, I think if we can, that, I think that's part of this, uh, one of my thesis as we got into this was, you know, in some cases, LPs don't need to start their own thing. You sometimes have billionaires and who are thinking, oh, I'll just create my own fund. Well, there's some amazing funds out there. Yeah. Uh, just like, as you say, universities have these endowments that they're looking to roll out. And so a lot of these VCs could be good options for you. Yeah. I just wanted to chime in on on Black Tech. Um, I thought this one was particularly interesting when we were going through the review process because of the fact that it really sits at the intersection of social and environmental by funding underrepresented founders. Um, and this is something that we're really talking a lot about at Impact Assets right now and the climate justice, knowing that racial and ethnic minorities are really the most vulnerable to the devastating effects of climate change, um, you know, I'm going to be more compelled by any fund that is bringing those underrepresented voices and their strategies, if they're, you know, supporting those, I think that's going to be particularly compelling from an impact perspective. And when people meet Brian and Kiona, I think you'll you'll get a, a really quite a, a nice look in terms of, of kind of how they've approached that and what are their lived experiences mm -hmm. are bringing to the table. And I think that's a good point, right? Because the lived experience is completely different. Their networks are completely different. And that just means that they see mm -hmm. different opportunities as well. It's not it, because you just said it, right, Sandy? There is, of course, the impact angle of it. But there's also the fact that there's a bunch of opportunities that no one had really tapped into because it was invisible to a bunch of white dudes on, on Sand Hill Road, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
the next one up is Chi Impact Capital. And it's been a lot of fun to meet Enrique uh, in New York and in Geneva and his colleagues, Kristen and, and the whole team. We had a, a long debate in Geneva at a recent event that was bringing them together. Uh, and what sticks out for me, I mean, they're really trying to change the way people can think about investing. And we brought up the, this aspect of two and 20. And Enrique and Kristen have brought in an approach that completely links all of their carry to their impact uh, metrics which was a very controversial topic. And it was, uh, it'd be a lot of fun to get into with, with you, Sandy and Andreas. But just one more word on them before we do that. They're investing in companies with a positive impact at the heart of their business models, as well as advocating for shifts towards a regenerative economy and a more conscious form of investing. They're really across a lot of climate portfolio companies, a circular economy, some investing into nature as well. But yeah, Andreas, when, how, how often does 2 and 20 come up as a is something that is debated uh, on the podcast. Uh, every single time, because it's always the LPs asking uh, uh, two to go down <laughs> and the GPs asking two to go up. No, on the serious side, we have met one team that was looking at doing the same type of thing, uh, connecting impact goals and, and actual economic goals for the team as well. I think that, you know, my, my probably main perspective on that is, you know, I would be wary of tying economic incentives to impact incentives if you want any LPs that are purebred economic investors, right, or financial investors, because they might then have a very clear flag that says this is going to be governed by different principles than finance first, right? And that's maybe my only perspective. It's an interesting thing mm -hmm. to do. I think that hopefully we're also getting to a point where we're the international monetary system is also encouraging you know, in itself, people to do the right thing. Um, but we're not there yet. So if you're ready, ready to put on extra, you know, constraints on yourself or forcing mechanisms, I think it's only good. Yeah. Well, listen, that could be maybe an interesting um, yeah. topic for one of the upcoming podcasts. Absolutely. Um, and, and it was not, there was no consensus there at all. Oh, definitely. Sandy, is that something you look at uh, in the IA50? Um, yeah. In the IA50, in my own diligence, when I'm assessing a fund, I'm, I'm all for it. I think that impact-based incentive structures really allow the fund managers to, to walk the talk and talk the talk. I think we're always looking for ways to really prove out the authenticity around the impact approach and tying their pay to that, those impact outcomes, just about the, the highest level of sincerity that you can see. So as, an, as a pure impact investor, mm. I'm all for it. I hear your points though, Andreas, and I think they're totally valid. But I think if you're, if you're investing in an impact fund where the underlying portfolio company's business model and the impact are inextricably linked, then they should move together, the impact and the financial outcomes. If you look at this from a policy angle, this is where some of the dispute came up, is that some regulations, some countries have some issues that make it hard for people yeah. to do that. Yeah, um, so this is part of part of what we want to try to do. But, but listen, let me keep going because the three of us only have about 14 <laughs> minutes left and we still have about 10 more of these funds to get through. It's just going to be more fun now. <laughs> exactly. Circulate Capital, uh, led by Rob Kaplan, is investing in startups that reduce plastic waste and fight climate change and is aiming to unlock a billion dollars to prevent 150 million tons of plastic pollution from entering the environment. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were named as part of the IA50, Sandy, uh, in the past. Yes. They've been deeply involved in our plastic work with the Global Plastic Action Partnership. You want to say a word about uh, Rob and Circulate? Sure, yeah. Just that, yes, th this is one of the ones that is also on the IA50 Emerging Managers list. Um, I probably should have shared early on that the IA50 is actually three different lists, um, mm -hmm. including an emerging manager, where the overlap with the innovation um, funds challenge really is. I really like this one because of their partnership with their corporate investors and the ability to really leverage those investors in their work reducing plastics in the supply chain. It's been fun for us as well because Circulate has already invested in a few of the entrepreneurs that have come through Uplink. Oh, that's and great. so, we're, yeah, it's been fun to see kind of some of that synergy already established. Click Ventures is another one. It's interesting that they're kind of doing a little bit of both. They've, it's an Asian-based, uh, Singapore-based fund 
investing in early stage startups that are positively impacting the planet with solutions focused on the circular economy, education, and nature. And just now, they've also started to invest in other funds, which is just a, a, a twist that we learned since they had uh, they actually became a part of this. Yeah, it's been interesting to meet Jenny and and Carmen and the team. They were with us both in New York and Geneva recently, uh, and to see how kind of their lived experience out in Asia has taken a different approach, kind of in, in supporting that ecosystem. Maybe I, I keep going, Andreas, Sandy, for a couple, and then if there's any amongst, let me do three or four, and then you guys kind of bring up any from that. Yeah, I have comments on only a couple more, so <laughs> but I know well. <laughs> I would only say about Click that I love that they're doing a fund of funds model. Uh, you know, we, we all need more fund of funds, so it's all good. <laughs> Contrarian Ventures is one that's been on the podcast before, I think, Andreas. Uh, all I want to say is we love the team. You know, they, they've built a, a huge community around them that was much, much bigger than the first fund, and now now they're they're ready to go all out with their fund too, and they're going to be amazing. They're going to, you know, I think they're really going to lead the charge in Europe in many ways. Um, so that's that's great. I love the team. Just for those that don't know them, they are investing in climate-focused technologies in Israel and Europe and partnering with early-stage companies that are leading the way towards net zero. The next one is Cross-Border Impact Ventures. This is uh, one of the few ones that is actually looking at the healthcare system, and they are addressing the inequalities in the global investment ecosystem by prioritized solutions, improving access to high-quality healthcare for women, children, and adolescents. They've gotten some massive supporters behind them. They are on their way towards a $100 million fund, Groups like CIF, USID, the Canadian Grand Challenge, but also so a nice collection on the LP side between institutional investors, governments, philanthropists, big foundations. You know, they're prioritizing an issue that, that isn't typically talked about. Uh, I think, Sandy, they may be part of the impact asset uh, ecosystem as well. Yeah, exactly. They're on the IA50 emerging manager list. And I think just one other thing about them, I think they were one of the few that had actual impact targets beyond just the type of impact they want to have and that they'll track. They actually put a stake in the ground and said, we want to save 500,000 lives with this fund, um, which is something we like to see too on the impact side. They are really going and going hard right now. Annie has been back and forth across the pond, going to Gin. She came to a, another entrepreneur event here in Switzerland. So if you get the chance to, to check out the work of Annie and Donna, make sure you do so. Draper's Richard Kaplan Foundation is supporting early stage, high impact social enterprises with over half their portfolio focused on addressing the funding gap for SDG entrepreneurs. They are a little bit different. They are philanthropically driven from uh, in terms of how they're gathering their capital, but then delivering that through an interesting mix of equity, grants, and loans. It's been great to get to know Stephanie, but also longtime colleagues who are part of the forum's YGL community, Margot and Canini. Next up is I Think VC is the only one that we got from Latin America. There wasn't a ton, but we liked this one because it was investing in tech startups that were focusing on health, education, food, and a few of the other regional challenges that are really important for us to be identifying. Catapult Ocean is another one that has a bit of an accelerator model. They've also been kind of the longest standing collaborator with Uplink. They were with us at the very conception days of uh, thinking about how could Uplink develop. They're focused on ocean and other issues that are touching ocean entrepreneurs, blue tech companies, and have a great little subset of entrepreneurs that are also on the Uplink platform. Link Capital invests in early stage companies with a special focus on the energy transition as well as on software mobility and technology. They're based up in Norway, a really nice operation that's getting off the ground there. I think they're into their, their second fund. It was what was submitted here. And it's been great to see how they've developed. Yeah, we know Christian from the team. He's a super cool guy. He's doing great work also for emerging managers, other emerging managers outside of uh, just the capacity of Link Capital. So um, I'm super happy to see them picked up for this as well. One of the few ones that was focusing on the alternative protein space food innovation was Sentient Ventures, and they're on a mission to remove farmed animals from our food systems by investing in companies that develop superior alternatives to animal products. Either of you guys have any 
any any firms you've been working with, any funds that have been focusing on this alternative protein space? Yeah, so um, uh, I actually know two. Uh, World Fund is, of course, one. They're huge. Uh, and then uh, a much smaller one, which is uh, led by, by an emerging manager called Maximilian, or Max Bade, uh, as most people know him in Europe. I love this space. I love... <laughs> Sorry to say it, I love steak, I love my, my beef. So I'm really happy to be now able to buy meat or, or false meat from places like uh, like Juicy Marbles, which is one of one of his portfolio companies. I'm super hyped about this space and I think that it's great to see that we now have viable um, alternatives to having to go out and slaughter <laughs> cattle to get our food. Uh, so I'm only happy to see this developing. Well, it's been great to see Alexandra and Manish getting this off the ground. Uh, what about you, Sandy? Yeah, same. I'm a huge supporter of alternative meat as a vegetarian. I, um, I'm very excited about it. Um, we Impact Assets was actually an early investor in Beyond Meat. Oh, okay. Interesting. You're happy about that one, I guess. Yeah, that was a very exciting investment for us. Our client did very well. I would challenge you to taste Juicy Marbles uh, filet mignon and then uh, send me a I'd... review if you think that's better. I'll tell the uh, CEO to send you a trial package. Please do. You can send back a, um, a review whether it beats Beyond Meat. <laughs> yes, please do. I have never had it. I'm excited to try it. Uh, I'll you can tell from sentient ventures we're into the S's almost there guys um, Swen Blue Ocean is uh, another one that we've known uh, we've got a, little, a big initiative at the forum that focuses on, on the ocean Christian Telecki is the director over there the Friends of Ocean Action is the initiative and Swen Blue Ocean Christian Lim uh, is uh, you know one of the folks we've worked with quite a lot they are part of a bigger uh, endeavor called Swen Capital and they also have an interesting approach to the 2 and 20. They're putting 50% of their carry linked to the impact targets that they have. And they're focusing on regenerating the health of our ocean with solutions tied to things like overfishing, ocean pollution, and the impact of climate change. It's great to meet Jerome recently and to have Christian and his team involved uh, over a longer period of time. One of the Swiss-based ones is called, well, I guess, Swiss, Luxembourg, and Sweden, if I remember correctly, is Uniterra. Uh, they are supporting European ESG startups with solutions to climate change and biodiversity loss, targeting the removal of two gigatons of CO2 from the environment by 2030. Luca and Uniterra were present with us in New York and Geneva recently, and they are super ambitious, thinking about how they can really track uh, and really focus on trackable uh, targets like the CO2, like the plastic, and make sure that that's part of, of the metrics that their fund is focused on. Last but not least is water equity. Uh, water uh, equity is kind of arm in arm with water.org, which is the fantastic organization of Gary White and Matt Damon. I'm sure you've heard of Gary White, but you might not know Matt Damon. <laughs> He's a small actor uh, who has a few interesting parts over the years, obviously trying to lend a hand to Gary White and his, his big efforts um, to really change the way investment uh, is flowing to our waterpreneurs, or as we've been calling them, aquapreneurs. So listen, I'd love for you to dive in, Sandy, Andreas, any other kind of comments that you have. Sandy, I think you guys have worked with water equity in the past. Yeah. But across the board, you know, at this point, we've got a few minutes left. It'd be great to hear any kind of observations that you guys have around, maybe we start with water equity, Sandy, but then afterwards, Andreas and yourself can wrap up with a couple comments about what you think is so unique about this group. Sure. So maybe just on water equity. So that one is also an IA51, um, as well as an investee of impact assets. Um, and I just would call out that this is this one's unique for the group because it's not actually a VC. But, and I can't remember exactly how the debate went among the selection committee. They basically work with financial institutions to provide debt financing to help the ultimate borrowers you know, purchase the infrastructure that they need to install safe water in their homes. Um, I know we went back and forth a little bit on the selection committee about this one because of the structure. I love what they're doing, and I think it's incredibly important. Um, and I guess that the innovative nature here is that it's not, it's not VC. 
I would rather not reply to this and then because I want to give the floor to, to Sandy to be able to talk about the whole group and the initiative as such because Sandy, to be honest, you've dedicated much more of your career and life to the space of impact. So I want to give you the floor rather than, than me who in all fairness is only doing it uh, uh, once in a while. Sure. I mean, I think overall the group is really representative of a lot of different things that are super innovative happening in the investment world. I loved that this specific process was very narrowly focused on a handful of SDGs. And so we were really finding very unique niche strategies, whether it was partnering with accelerators or tying your compensation to impacts. I think that it's just a really great group. And was it intentional that we ended up with 17 funds and our 17 SDGs? 17 funds for the 17 SDGs. We'll claim credit whenever we can for things that make sense. <laughs> yeah, and it was a lot of fun. You also, um, John, really managed a, a really interactive selection process, which we need to learn from for the IA50. The screen sharing and the music that you played, it was it was overall just a really fun experience. Yeah, well, there's nothing that beats John's soundtracks. That is an experience <laughs> worth for anyone to seek out if they can. Well, listen, in the last minute or two, let me just do a couple of rounds of thank yous and a little bit of a preview. So thank you to Sandy for being a part of this and Impact Asset for joining as, as one of the supporting partners and part of the selection committee. Andreas and David obviously have been involved and one of the commitments that they made, each supporting partner made a commitment. And the one that they did is that we'd love to give some airtime to the, the funds as they come on board and get to know what, what we're up to. So the preview is you're going to hear a little bit more from some of these funds. We'll see when and how frequently, but it's going to be a lot of fun to give them the, let's say, to get behind the microphone and uh, contribute to your audience, Andreas, to see how things are going. We're also looking to engage them in a whole bunch of different act activities. You talked about this ecosystem contribution, Sandy, and we went to an amazing event that you guys hosted at the Federal Reserve in New York a few weeks back, about a month ago, which talks about the type of access we're providing to fund managers. There was a brilliant cross-section of you know government, business, other entrepreneurs and other VCs that were attending that event. We also got uh, a bunch of these fund managers to attend our the World Economic Forum Sustainable Development Impact Meetings. And just two weeks ago, we welcomed them to Geneva for what I thought was a really interesting, what was titled, It Takes Three to Tango, where we had five entrepreneurs, six of the funds, and 10 family offices for a full day of, of workshops, pitches. We had both the entrepreneurs pitch and the funds pitch. And it was a great way for us to also teach the family offices a bit about how they could consider investing in a different way uh, with some of the capital from those organizations. So on our side at Uplink, we love the work that uh, the European VC is up to. We love the work that Impact Asset. We'd also like to give a quick shout out to Carbon Equity, Desolinator, the Impact Office, Isomer Capital, Salcante Ventures, Siemen Energy Ventures, Top Tier Impact, and Source and Impact Center for supporting this challenge. Um, a whole great uh, ecosystem of, of people that are supporting this work. And I maybe close and hand back the floor to Andreas to bring us home. Well, I, uh, I'll happily bring us home and just say, John, thank you once again for joining us on the podcast because every single time I am amazed at your, uh, your level of uh, emceeing skill. It's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I want to do more stuff with you. Uh, and Sandy, thanks so much for joining us as well on the podcast. I think, you know, the, the big thanks, of course, should come from John because John knows how much you're doing for the WEF and Uplink initiatives. So, so from my side, it's just thanks a million for taking these. I don't know what we ended up 45 minutes. So. Hopefully we didn't get you in, into any trouble, Sandy. <laughs> I don't think so. I, th I think we were in safe ground the whole time. Can we read, read the statement again? I'd love to end us <laughs> on a really high note. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of The European VC. 
the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc.